Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rink Rat Report podcast. Today is Monday, January 2-8. Uh, the All-Star Game just concluded this past weekend. I know a couple teams are off until February 1st, but hockey is back very soon. I actually didn't even... Sh- I forgot to check who's playing tomorrow. There's about two games, though. I know that. Anyways, All-Star Weekend. That was pretty cool. I know I said Monday. Games are back today with Jets, Flyers, Devils, Penguins. But anyways, All-Star Game. I know I said I wasn't going to watch a lick of it. I ended up watching the entire thing. I don't know how that happened, but I watched the entire All-Star Game. I watched the skills competition and the entire skills competition and I watched all the games too I don't know how that I, I, was, I was not even trying to and I did it I think I have a problem I'm addicted to watching hockey anyways uh, I was also I also got the chance this weekend to watch a couple OHL games the Steelheads versus the Barry Colts and the Steelheads versus the Bulldogs um, I was at well, both of those games, one was in Mississauga and the other being in Hamilton. Mississauga is just, they need fans. I don't know how it's, they, Mississauga has like a hundred rinks. They have the MHL, which is a single A league there. When I was playing, that was there. They have a couple teams of the GTHL and you're getting like a thousand people a game. I'll pull up the exact numbers of what they're reportedly pulling in in terms of fans, but it's not good at all and it was i mean the presentation they put on was okay but it was just really not good in terms of how many people were actually in the building and like it's not because this is a tough year for the steelheads they're in like eighth place right now but like even prior years when they were successful just nobody there i don't understand it but anyways got the chance to see a couple uh, projected first round picks in Kaliev, Harley, Ryan Suzuki, uh, some lower level guys like Wash Karak, um, on Barry. There's a couple other guys. Allenson's there. Hadfield's a draft eligible. He had an assist. Shout out to him. Um, I was actually watching with his family. That was pretty, pretty cool to see him get an assist in front of his family like that. But Anyways, um, other players, Zach Roy, draft eligible for the Bulldogs. He was in net for them. Pretty good. Uh, Liam Van Loon, uh, he's been getting some good opportunities now that they traded away some good players there. I got to, he was in there, uh, he had an okay game, I guess, too. Uh, So I'm going to get into some all-star game stuff. I'm going to get into some draft notes that I have. And that's about it. I mean, there wasn't much going on in this weekend. I mean, from the, the last time I recorded until now. I mean, especially considering that there was the All-Star game. But we're going to get into that. Anyways, All-Star game. So I wanted to pose the question out there. Who's more useful? I know you need the refs to judge some stuff there in the All-Star game. But who's more useful? All-Star game refs or WWE refs? Because I, I thought it was kind of funny. that I'm like, how did they choose who the refs are going to be for that game like is it the all-star game of the refs too like you've you've done the least shit job because i mean you've blown the least amount of calls you get to go to the all-star game and like how does the pay work for them i the all-star refs was just kind of weird to me are they more useful than the wwe refs i mean that was kind of 
funny watching them do their thing. But anyways, I'll start. Th- uh, also, some notes I had on the game. The slow-mo sauce cam. Like, oh my God. Do you, you're not going to find anything hotter than that. That was like, that was, it was the hottest. Day. It was hotter than the fire festival music uh, promo vid. Like hotter than that. That was so, so nice to see. Just a little slow-mo, the puck coming off of the stick, and it's just spinning ever so slowly in the air, and it lands so perfectly, and these guys are just so sick. And just to see that all in slow motion and to capture every spin of the puck like that was just that, my friends, was art. But anyways, uh, the hardest shot was a disappointment I found this year. Um, mainly because not like, okay, 102 by John Carlson. That was pretty good. Brent Burns missing that was pretty funny too. But I mean, remember when it was Chara Weber and like just the back and forths, 106, Chara hit 108.8, like just disgusting to see the only, uh, Carlson and one other guy hit 100 was kind of, or maybe two other guys. I don't know. Most of the contestants didn't hit a hundred. But anyways, that was was kind of disappointing to see the numbers not go as high as what I expected. But it is what it is. Anyways, hopefully some guys coming up have a really good shot. um, The girls competing in the All-Star game I thought was pretty good too. Uh, Brianna Decker, the premier passer, she was the best one there. CCM gave her $25,000. I think it was Kendall Coyne. Who did the fastest skater? She beat Clayton Keller. I thought that was pretty cool. So good on them. That was that was pretty awesome that they do that to promote women's hockey, like that. Um, and my closing note on the skills competition: Matthews didn't even finish the all the accuracy challenge. What he did was pretty sick with the Patty Marlowe, but he didn't even like finish. I don't think they gave him a final time because he'd never hit the middle target to see that was kind of disappointing and i mean when you when you look at the numbers everyone loves numbers when you look at them matthews has zero skills um zero accuracy challenge wins thomas cabriolet has one hmm makes you think about what i don't know mostly nothing but it's just a it's a, it's a hmm. by the way the c looked pretty good on him Hopefully we see that in the future. That, and with the accuracy challenge too, I don't think anything would, any nothing beats the satisfaction of when the puck hits the target and you just see like either it goes through cleanly or that target just explodes. I loved seeing that. And it's kind of just, I know it's cool with the technology that they have and the, the changing the spots of the target, it makes it harder for the shooters, but Having the passing, the the guys pass from behind the net, and the, and then see, seeing guys go four for four, just absolutely ripping it through the targets and watching the targets explode like that was awesome. And I don't know, you can't bring it back because I mean, what they have right now is not bad, but you know, just some nostalgia that I was experiencing, thinking about. I don't know, I don't know how that works, but. I don't know how how to use that word even. I don't know why I used it. But anyways, moving along. um, 
in the all-star game itself it was it was pretty entertaining some good goals scored but my highlight for that john gibson like he stopped less goals he stopped less shots than he he's like than he let in and i don't care what your league you're playing in that is the most demoralizing thing ever where just nothing's hitting you his final numbers if i can pull them up here i went to the wrong game whatever i'll find it later but that's just the most demoralizing thing he like imagine being in that this is supposed to be a fun event and this guy just gets rinsed like that what's this two two saves on nine shots yeah two saves on nine shots two 22 save percentage oh my i would have pulled myself after five that's just insanity two saves on nine shots holy they're gonna like they're gonna bring that up if he if he has a bad start the game after the all-star game the uh the hot takes media is gonna bring it up oh the, the all-star game ruined his confidence and if the hot takes media doesn't bring it up then i will because i really want to see that um that uh narrative brought up one other thing about gibson he did i'm seeing here he had an assist he had one assist two saves damn what a stat line but one thing i noticed from these players if you're ripping clap bombs on a breakaway in the all-star game you're a scumbag and I, I i might fight you if that was on me like pecorine too getting smoked in the dome like that like come it's the all-star game those don't tickle relax like come on but anyways it was a lot better than i expected uh it's, it's always a pretty cool event and uh congrats to Sidney crosby on uh m v p of the game of the tournament or game i can't remember but anyways all-star weekend wraps up back to reality tomorrow and leafs are not in action until february 1st where they take on the detroit red wings um anyways i'm gonna get into some draft notes now so barry versus mississauga mississauga won that one in overtime four to three uh one thing that i'm gonna start with the mississauga side thomas harley so big defenseman a lot of range he's standing at 6'3 183 i think he's more 6'4 so he's a little lanky right now he will grow into his body 43 points in 47 games this weekend i saw him put pot in two goals uh the overtime winner that he scored uh on the first night against barry was just sick just puts it past the defense like chips it past the uh the the attacking i think it was tyler tucker i don't know why he was all the way up there but chips it past them goes end to end and then just rips it far side for the game winner and all 50 fans that were in the paramount fine food center went wild but he he also had an assist that game it was pretty much just teeing it up for liam ham but pretty good game by him i really like the way that he handles the puck i mean he's big but handles the puck really nicely has a lot of composure on the on on the blue line and when he skates with the puck he does a really good job he's got that long reach so he does a really good job of keeping his uh using his body to protect the puck to move it up ice i thought he was pretty impressive to to watch out there i mean uh right now 
I think he's ranked by NHL Central Scouting as the number one OHL player. I don't agree with he was number nine. I remember. I'm not sure I really agree with that, but he really impressed me this week. I mean, against Hamilton, he was a little quiet. I would have liked to seen a little bit more out of him. Uh, he had the one goal, and it was kind of a garbage goal for for being totally honest. Yeah, he's number one right now, one ahead of Ryan Suzuki, who we played against. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't really put him number. He wasn't the most dynamic guy out there, but he was pretty good. I mean, he moves the puck well. He skates well. Big boy. Good shot. But on the other end of the rink, Ryan Suzuki, this kid was sick. He does this thing where he's he's got the he, when he's got the puck, he's playing the option all day. You have no idea where he's going with the puck and what he's going to do with it. He's a skilled guy. He's not the biggest guy. He's a pretty good skater too, but his head's always up and you don't know like he could be he's looking right, he's going to toss it. He's going to toss some six sauce left. And he put he had the one of the most disgusting goals. Um sorry, assists. He doesn't really shoot the puck uh, as seen in the Cherry versus Or game. But his assist and I posted it on Twitter if uh, for reference if you want to see it. There was about three minutes left. Barry pulled their goalie. You don't see this with many draft eligible guys where he put it through three Mississauga the defenders, tape to tape to Tortora. Tortora got robbed and then he finished on the rebound. But just the, the vision to put the puck tape to tape like that was incredible. And just to keep the defenseman, uh, the defense guessing at all times like he does is a really special talent that's really going to help him translate well into the pros. But, so I thought he had a pretty good game. He turned up the puck a little bit, but like the turnovers are a problem. But the vision on this guy is outstanding. So that was my tape style. Another tough guy I was watching Arthur Kaliev. Uh, he wasn't able to get a goal. He got an assist, and I really like the assist. But one thing that Kaliev has really impressed me on, and in my mind, it's helped his draft stock a lot, is. He's added some intensity to his game. At the year, at the beginning of the year, he was more timid in the corners. He's a sizable guy. He's about 6'2", 2-something. 6'2", almost 200. Uh, but he didn't really throw his weight around. He didn't really get in the dirty areas. Uh, we saw in the Cherry vs. Or game, he threw, threw a pretty nice body check there. He first shifted in the Mississauga game. He threw a hit there. Um, and even on the game-winning goal, he was in on that forecheck. He dug the puck free. And Cade Landry ripped it the short side, or I guess it would be blocker side, top shelf for the overtime winner. He was pretty good. He was buzzing all night. Uh, Kaliev was. He had a couple decent chances around the net. He missed the net a couple times, but uh, I thought he played pretty well in this game. Nothing exceptional. I thought the game that I went to go see him when they played the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, he was better in that one, and he didn't even get a point in that game. So comes to show you, he just a fantastic shot on the kid. Pretty good hands too, and not a bad skater. He did show that he, uh, in, he did test well even in the cherry versus or uh, testing period that they had there. So it was a good game by him. Uh, unfortunately, he just couldn't squeeze one past the uh, Ranger, the Mississauga goaltender. Um, one guy that did stand out to me, he's not draft eligible this year, he's draft eligible next year, is Logan Morrison for the Hamilton Bulldogs, number nine. He created about three or four chances. He had a really nice assist where he won the faceoff back to Landry and Landry scored. Um, and I think that this guy's going to be a fixture 
for the Bulldogs' offense in 2019-2020. I mean, he's not the best skater, but his, his smarts and his passing ability maybe shoot the puck a little bit more. He passed it about nine times in front of the net, but created some fantastic chances and looked. And his abilities, as well as his confidence and his smarts, looked well above uh, his age, which is he 15 or 16. So pretty good play, uh, pretty good game by him too. It's, he's gonna be an interesting to watch, one to watch, going into the 2020 draft. Um, one other draft eligible, no, uh, one notable draft eligible player. Obviously, he's not too high on. Uh, I don't even think he's listed on this list. Wow, really? He's a starting goalie in Hamilton right now. Okay, anyways, he's not listed because he's 5'11". So that's why nobody, uh, nobody's really considering him a top draft pick for, or even a draft pick for uh, the 2019 draft. But a couple, Jet Greaves I got to see this weekend, Zach Roy. So both of these guys are 2001 born. Uh, they're both eligible for this draft. I don't think either are going to be drafted. Uh, Jet Greaves wasn't. They didn't. It looked kind of awkward in the net, moving wise. But he played extremely well against Mississauga, and he made a couple fantastic saves. Just his uh, his positioning was really strong. Was what I found. But I think he's only about six feet, one hundred and eighty pounds. Which in the NHL, that's just six feet one fifty four. Yeah, that is absolutely not gonna fly in the nhl but he's doing pretty well this year 305 goals against with a 913 save percentage not bad in comparison um to the other goalies on his team too 913 kai edmonds is a 910 so he's a little bit above him and maxim zukov shukov i think it's pronounced he's a arizona coyotes draft pick and he went back to the ushl because the uh, Jack Greaves and Kai Edmonds were just beat him out of his spot. So Greaves pretty good, but just not big enough to to get drafted, I think, and doesn't move well enough to make up for his size shortcoming. But anyways, other goalie Zach Roy, same thing there. I thought he moves a lot better than Jack Greaves. He was really fluid in the net, and uh, his uh, lateral movements and as well as butterfly slides were. Were almost, they were excellent. They were really, really good. But again, this is a guy six foot one ninety something like that, 176. even better. So he's not going to be considered really for this draft. But Zach Roy has been playing really, really well this year. Eight nine nine save percentage. I know isn't that great. Three twenty five goals against average. But when you compare it to, I mean, this team's not that great this year they're rebuilding that happens after every championship but i mean the other goalie on the team is an 870 and i'm not gonna say anything about that because he's a really nice guy good guy works hard loves the game anyways so both goalies that's how it kind of works in the in the draft if you're not 6-2 6-3 they're not really gonna look at you unfortunately but Anyways, those were my draft notes. If I were to rank the top five right now for the OHL in terms of this draft, I think I'm going to go Ryan Suzuki, number one. 
Number two, I'm going to give it to Arthur Kaliev. And then three, because Kaliev has a lot to like there. The size, his shot is fantastic. He's such a good power play player. When you feed him, like, feed him a one-timer on the power play all day, because you're just going to be, like, you're going to be stacking up apples, pretty much. So, number two, Arthur Kaliev. Number three, I'm going to put Harley. And then, I think McMichael. And then Tomasino. I wouldn't quote me on that one. And then in that mix, I really liked the Nick Robertson was really impressive to me. I'm going to put Nick Robertson at number. Yeah, Nick Robertson for McMichael and then Tomasino. And I know it might sound crazy. Robertson at number four. I kind of forgot about them him for a second there, but whatever. Um, but what Nick Robertson did at the Cherry versus Or game. Uh, the fact that he's doing so well in Peterborough this year. Peterborough's not even Peterborough's not a very good scoring team this year. And he's over a point per game and he started zero points this first five. Right now, 34 points, 33 games. So that's 34 points in his last 28 games with 17 goals. He's third on the team in points, and he's played what 14 games less than everyone else. And in, in comparison, he has more points than Leafs third round pick. Last year, Semyon Arguchinsev, and he has played eight less games than Arguchinsev. So, really good puck mover. And I, I know the size is going to be an issue. He's only 5'9", but from all accounts that I've heard, really strong player. And I, 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 I just his passing ability, too, is uh, it's incredible. So, anyways... So again, that's Suzuki, Kaliev, Harley, Robertson, McMichael, Tomasino. So last segment of the episode, and I bring it up because there was a pretty interesting point made on Twitter that I saw with regards to this year's draft, and it starts at the top. And it had to do with a Bob McKenzie. I don't know. He wrote a little excerpt that was pretty interesting. And the top of the draft, I mean, it's been for since the beginning of time, pretty much. Uh, Yes, the beginning of time. But the Jack Hughes is going to go number one in this draft. And everyone knew Capocacco was going to challenge him. But it's been Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes. A lot of people calling him a generational player. Uh, he, I mean, he's setting records in the uh, the USHL right now with the development team program. And there's no denying he's been awesome this year. But I think scouts, and from all accounts that I've heard, sorry to use that word again, but they're not heart set on this guy being number one anymore. And apparently there's this, there's a group of about five or six that people are considering. So this is going to be something really interesting to keep your to keep an eye on and that being will Kako dethrone Hughes and I know I said that after the juniors because Kako was fantastic he scored the winning goal for the tournament not bad um that he that he Kako was going to challenge Hughes for number one I haven't seen a ton of people put Kako number one yet but from what I've seen from this Bob McKenzie article apparently people are reconsidering who they have at the top and it's not as big of a margin as it was coming into the season so 
trouble at the top of the draft. Hmm. It'll be really interesting to see. I mean, the, in this group, it was listed. Um, it was listed uh, Hughes, Kako, and Vasily Podkolzin was the fourth, third one. Another player that was fantastic at the World Juniors. I mean, he didn't put up a ton of points, but he was he played a pretty strong role in Team Russia and their bronze medal win. Just a fantastic skater, very skilled, and I believe his season stats are catching up to where they should be relative to what he's put up in tournaments. And I think that the conversation of where should where are you going to draft Pug Colson is really going to be the perception of where he's going to go is going to be elevated at the U18s because I think he's going to rip it up at those two. I believe he is going to play on that team. But yeah, it should be interesting at uh, come June. Uh, obviously, some other top players that are there. Um, Dylan Cousins is a fantastic player. Really smart, really strong too, and a really good skater. He wasn't terrific at the showcase on Wednesday, as I noted, but he's had a fantastic year this year. And he's uh, he's someone to really keep your eye on. I think he will be a center at the next level too because he's a really smart player. And as I mentioned, a fantastic skater too. Just two things that are vital at the next level. Um, Kirby Dosh, I've seen a Doc, I think that's his name. I've seen at the top of the draft as well, above Cousins. Um, I've seen him as high as three, I think. Uh, he's a player that he's tailed off a little bit this season, but he's a big player. Uh, very good, very smart passer too. Very smart, big player. Smooth stride, maybe not the quickest. He's, he's faster than he is quick. That's one thing that I wanted to mention. I'm going to start using more cliches because draft cliches in the NFL are fantastic and the NHL does not have enough of them. We need more. Oh, he's a downhill skater. He's a real throwback kind of player. That kind of terminology that makes no sense in real life, but in in the hockey verse, it's gonna be it'll catch you on. Don't worry, I'm a little ahead of my time. But Alex Turcott, another name I've thrown, I've seen thrown around at the top of the draft. Uh, he was out for a little bit at the beginning of the year with an injury, but he's back and he's been shooting up draft rankings. Uh, so far as they've come out in the midterm uh, stage so right now but just an interesting thing that I wanted to bring up a lot of people are saying Jack Hughes is going to go number one but the closing of that gap between Kako or even Pod Colson and Hughes has been really interesting to keep track of and we'll continue to keep track of that moving forward but anyways that's all I wanted to talk about for the episode. Um, yeah, and uh, NHL starts tomorrow. That should be nice to have that back. The All Star break was, I don't know, it was refreshing. I got I got to see some uh, couple OHL games, which was nice. And yeah, that's pretty much it. One thing that I, to close the episode on. One player that I want everyone to check out is... He probably doesn't have highlights because he has like four goals this year. But Navrin Mutter. He was 120th on North America. This guy's the most throwback player that I've ever seen. That I've seen 
doing any of this draft stuff i mean the amount of hits that this guy throws he can shuck them too he's a big body he can bring a lot of energy to a lineup and that's what a lot of and he's a decent skater too maybe not he's lacking in the skills department but that's a guy that a lot of throwback gms are going to be circling and telling their staff that make sure we draft this guy because i make hockey violent again yeah anyways take care everyone have a blessed Monday.